The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Van the Boogie Wooker Man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of two-man power trip of wrestling and you are listening to episode number 399 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast if you didn't know by now my name is chad and as always i'm joined by my tag team partner the one and only jp john paz but this week sitting in for jp is the one and only barry white barry white say hi to everybody hello Hello, how is everybody out there? <laughs> I'm just ribbing you. Episode 399 is here. John's got a frog in his throat, but that is not stopping the madness as we trek to number 400 on the two-man power trip of wrestling featuring ProWrestling.net's Jason Powell joining us here for an episode where we haven't done one of these in quite a while where we featured a writer or somebody who runs a wrestling website like a Jason Powell does. But this is a fun chat that John got to have with Jason Powell and definitely a lot more topical than we usually get. And we know we kind of flipped it a little bit and we usually have feature episodes that feature people with the same skill set of a Jason Powell. But I think with where the business is standing right now, Jason Powell gets bumped up to the actual main show here, the two-man power trip number 399, because there is a lot going on in the wrestling industry but john as we trek here to number 400 obviously a gigantic milestone for us we got a huge guest in on you know literally waiting in the wings here to publish next week but also we got some cool uh additions that we're throwing in we always like to go above and beyond for these milestone shows but stopping here at 399 with jason powell i think uh, the listeners are in for quite the treat oh yeah and jason powell obviously pro wrestling that 
Net, which I'm sure everybody is very, very familiar with at this point. But he was such a great guest. We probably almost talked as much off air as we did on air, which is crazy to say. And uh, just great uh, connection with him. I feel like he's one of the best out there as far as the quote unquote dirt sheet writers or whatever you want to call me. I really say, you know, the pro wrestling journalists. I know other people have different opinions on that but the pro wrestling journalists that are out there i think jason powell is one of the best love talking to him and and you're right we did stay topical which we don't usually do too much on the show but you know i, I couldn't help myself because i finally get to talk to somebody that knows a lot about the topical stuff no offense chad i know you're you're more of an old school fan but uh, you know jason definitely definitely knows his stuff and, and obviously i mean 60 hours a week 70 hours a week he's working covering current wrestling and i know chad i know what you're thinking like man that's crazy how could he do that? Well, maybe he's losing his mind a little bit. But, yes, he's been working 60, 70 hours a week covering Raw, SmackDown, AEW, New Japan a little bit. Uh, you know, the, the world of wrestling. And it, it is crazy to think that. But these guys, man, they, they don't have a free minute. And it was great to be able to get him on for as long as we did because this wrestling world is just getting crazier and crazier and more jam-packed with info so, you know, source information, uh, whatever you want to say, uh, rumors, innuendo. It's just getting more and more packed with the addition of AEW, with um, the Ring of Honor, having the Honor Club, and everybody be able to see those shows. Obviously, New Japan World, WWE Network. I feel like the uh, the wrestling world and, and the world, especially for Jason Powell, is getting harder and harder to cover. Yeah, and you know, when there's one thing I could tell you about Jason Powell, and and to bring you kind of behind the scenes to our show and how we kind of do business with getting the word out there about our show and having contacts throughout the entire uh, wrestling media realm. You know, with Jason Powell, he's always been a guy who has been very responsive to us. And that's going all the way back years to when we first started this show. And, and as Greenhorns and as guys who were just trying to do something different and, and trying to get these interviews out because we knew we had we were kind of onto something uh, and we know there's a lot of these style shows, but there was something we were kind of felt like we were onto. Jason Powell was somebody who actually took the time to write back and kind of be like, hey, you know, uh, thank you very much for your additions to the site. And like, you don't know how far that really goes when you're trying to get your, your claws dug into a very closed uh, business like the, the wrestling world is. But Jason Powell always taking the time to uh to be so gracious to us and we're not just kissing his butt because he's on the show this week we've had on past uh, episodes dave Meltzer. we've had on wade keller we had on ryan satin <laughs> and i'm just kind of <laughs> at that point but we've had these guys on and we've gotten to talk about the business with them and you see everybody's take but i always found jason powell's take to be more in line with how you and I would watch wrestling, John, because, I mean, yeah, I'm going to put you back in the old school class here because that's how we kind of get – we got together because we had those same tastes, and I kind of feel like we can relate to somebody like a Jason Powell. Uh, and even though I don't really watch it actively anymore, if I do want to get some sort of news, I am going to go right to ProWrestling.net because, one, it's like an easy, navigatable site, and it's very good for that just because of the functionality of it. You don't have a pop-up in the first eight seconds. You're on there telling you, you've won you know five thousand dollars so that to me in itself is something that i really enjoy but again back to to us you know he's a guy who kind of helped us out in those early stages just sharing our content sharing our transcripts and helping get the word out about the two-man power trip yeah i love that and and any help we can get obviously is great and it's great to kind of be a little bit respected and and see that we've come a long way and that we do the transcriptions and we we interview good 
guests and we ask good questions and we're not being silly or, or stupid. And obviously, Jason Powell, which we talked about in the interview, has been watching wrestling since 1980. And we both started basically watching in the mid-80s. So we're not that far apart in wrestling fandom. And obviously, I think we all lean a little bit more old school than new school. And we do talk about that in the interview, how, you know, it's not a lot of stars and not a lot of star power. And, you know, what, what are they missing? And, and, you know, what could kind of AEW bring to the table with the kind of their creative freedoms, if you will. And a lot of the you know WWE world, you don't have any creative freedom and you got to read from a script. And is that hurting these guys? And is that uh, you know, causing this inability to create stars? And is it Vince McMahon? Is he out of touch? Is Triple H need to be put in charge? And we even talk about the, you know, Chad, you and my favorite topic, one of my favorite topics. Why the fans today like Triple H when the fans of our age and our era, you know, naturally don't like him for a myriad of reasons. So, I mean, very, very interesting stuff. Uh, we talk about that. Uh, obviously, Triple H has matured a lot since then. But, you know, we we talk about a lot of different topics, that being one of them. And we do even talk about one of your favorite topics, Vince Russo. Yes, Chad, we do talk about Russo. And, you know, obviously, Russo has his thoughts on the on the quote-unquote dirty writers the pro wrestling journalists and he loves jason powell so he's in he's in our you know our, our wheelhouse yet again uh, here with russo he loves jason powell as we love him yeah absolutely and that's one of the cool things is that we're gonna tie it into the first week that the triple threat podcast goes exclusive to vince russo's the brand and i think that's a really good association that we have jason powell on the show who is featured on the show that Vince Russo does on the brand called Castrated the Marks, but uh, Jason Powell seen in more of a positive light uh, in the recent months, and hopefully, you know, as uh, the association could grow, and, and Jason Powell may make an appearance on the brand uh, sooner or later. It's good for him to stop by here today on three ninety nine, because again, here knocking on the door next week, number four hundred, John. And it's a returning guest, which is great. But in the pantheon of guests of the two-man power trip, I think you would agree, number 400 is the perfect guest next week. Oh, absolutely. And if you think about that four, for those two zeros, just hold that up for a second. got to think about that. But, you know, enough about the 400. 399, Jason Powell, awesome to get him on. I just wanted to say, please also check out the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Jason Powell, one of the best personalities. Some of these wrestling journalists and uh, i know chad me and you'd like to talk about it off here but sometimes uh they might get a little crazy with themselves and and, and some of their personalities whether it be on twitter or facebook or whatever sometimes they get a little crazy but jason powell is is hilarious you know, he mixes in some entertainment value along with giving you the news and being informative so pro wrestling boom podcast i really highly recommend you check that out as well i mean sometimes with these guys and these these writers maybe they take themselves too seriously and, and jason while he does take himself seriously, he doesn't really do it to an overextent where it's you know ridiculous with some of these guys, what they say and that they do on Twitter and stuff. So with him, you get the entertainment value, but you do get real sources, real information, and no bullshit. So it is great to not only go be able to go on ProWrestling.net and not get any uh, spam or whatever, you know, any viruses, but it's also... Uh, you know, a, a great site and, and great stuff. And obviously, Pro Wrestling Boom Podcast, I highly recommend that as well. Yeah, ProWrestling.net, the owner and founder, Jason Powell. So appreciate Jason again for coming on and spending some time with us here on episode number 399. Uh, definitely look forward to working with him in the future, whether uh, some kind of crossover again. We'd love to have him back. 
and uh, absolutely support him. Check out his website, and uh, you never know. Check out his website and go to somebody else's. You may win $10,000 by spending two minutes on the other person's website. So stick with uh, ProWrestling.net. You won't get spammed away like you will on so many other wrestling websites. And uh, tell them the two-man power trip of wrestling Sanchez. So now, as we wrap it up here nice, we got a big weekend ahead of us. John and I will be in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, being part of the Icons of Wrestling Convention. We will be spending the day with Hands of Stone, Ronnie Garvin. So if you are in the Philadelphia area, please stop by the historic 2300 Arena, formerly the ECW Arena, and you can meet Hands of Stone, Ronnie Garvin, as well as uh, an amazing collection of talent yet again at the icons of wrestling, including the great Muda, Scott Hall, Bret Hart, and Harley Race. What a collection of champions in Philadelphia. It's going to be a happening, as they say. So we look forward to seeing some listeners there. And again, we will see you on the Triple Threat Podcast this week, streaming exclusively on Vince Russo's The Brand. You can head over to Russo'sBrand.com to subscribe to the brand today and catch us on video for the first time ever coming this week. And we're looking forward to being a part of that historic episode and next week's historic episode on this show being the 400th episode of the two man power trip. So let's wrap it up here. Nice. Let's hit you with a little bit of two man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to pro wrestling.net's Jason. Now for some TMPT business, like us on Facebook, Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr. Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, he is a pro wrestling journalist as well as a pro wrestling podcaster. You can check him out on ProWrestling.net as he is the owner and editor. He is none other than Jason Powell. Please enjoy. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Take a look around, at least you got friends. I call my own. 
is the ProWrestling.net owner, editor, and of course you may know him as a world-famous pro wrestling journalist as well as podcaster. He is the one, the only, Jason Powell. Jason, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Great to be here. Now, you're a guy that I've been following for a while. Obviously, everyone should be familiar with ProWrestling.net and, and, and things like that, and I've always been following you. You always have the latest and greatest. So right now in the wrestling business, I think the focus really is on AEW, and so many people keep talking about AEW. What's the latest that you've heard of from Double or Nothing as far as buy rates and, and how they did with that pay-per-view? I think they did really well. I mean, there's a report out saying 100000 and – it feels a little premature, but I mean, you know, hey, maybe somebody managed to find out the info. Um, I, I think it's based on estimates, but hey, that's if, if accurate, that's a, that's a great number. Now, when people get this, obviously Dave Meltzer is, is a guy that um, you know everyone should know in the wrestling business. But you know, yeah. he gets these estimates, early estimate stuff. Is this something that all of these wrestling journalists get, or is I mean, is he getting it from a specific source? Like, I always curious like how that works out because sometimes you will break a story, you'll get a certain source, and you'll have a little bit different information. And how does that all go? Well, with something like that, I mean, that that's more of a question for Dave as far as like how mm-hmm. he's getting that information. But, I mean, in general, you know, it's just a matter of talking to multiple sources, lining up your information. Um, if there's conflicting information, bringing in others, you know, it's just a pretty routine type of a, a setup as far as that type of thing goes. Is there anything that you're hearing differently than, than the 100K estimate, or is there anything no, else no, out there? Like I, no, like I say, it's just, it, it seems early, but, you know, hey, if, if Dave, I think he has a pretty good history of, of these preliminary numbers, and so hopefully... For AEW's sake, that's accurate because that's a really good number. When you were thinking about that pay-per-view and it's going in, did you think 100K or were you thinking more in like the lines? It's like I have to do 50, you know, they'll they'll pretty much be happy with that or that's a good number. Well, I think Honor Club, what was the report on that? About 50, just over 50 uh, for, not Honor Club, but all in. And for that one, you know, because it was also – Streamed, I believe, on both Honor Club and New Japan World, if memory serves. That knocks them off. And this, it does seem like they've captured more attention. They've generated a lot more buzz with the excitement over the, you know, the TNT show. This has become a reality. And you know, now Chris Jericho's involved. Um, granted, he was at the first show, but he wasn't advertised. So this is, you know, the beginning of a new era. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think a hundred thousand is a realistic number. When you think about that and you look at them, and obviously whenever Jericho and Jim Ross are involved, you've got to kind of say, okay, you know, these guys, you know, they're not falling around. This is kind of big time. These are obviously big legends within the business. Do you think this registers on WWE's radar at all? Is, like, Vince thinking anything right now, or is he like, yeah, you know, not much? Because to me it seems like they should be kind of um, paying a lot of attention to AEW if they're not already. Oh, they clearly are. I mean, just the fact that they've – rounded up so many so many talents who didn't even have deals coming up and, and offered them extensions, lucrative extensions. I mean, if somebody pressed them, they'd probably try to spin it as, well, we have the Fox deal and everything else. We're, we're making money. We're trying to take care of our talent. But I think you and I both know <laughs> that realistically mm-hmm. that is in response to AEW. You know, Triple H had some fun with them on the Hall of Fame ceremony. So, I mean, they're very aware. Um, they're very aware I, whether – I mean – Knowing the way, and I can't speak to any specific, any specifics on this, but knowing the way they tend to operate, it's there's probably a lot of snickering, you know, within the office about this. 
but I think deep down they know. This is if the Khan family has more money than WWE does. TNT is a legitimate network. This is real competition for them for the first time since they purchased WCW. I love it because I think it'll make everybody step up their game, and it's something different. And Obviously, it's great for the boys. They have somewhere else and, and different to go. But as far as what you've seen from the Khan family and Tony Khan, are you seeing positives or are you seeing any negatives? Because sometimes he'll say something like, oh, wins and losses matter and stuff like that. And you're like, is he being serious? You know, like as far as pay scale and stuff like So sometimes he worries me and then other times like, okay, he seems like he's got it together. Is there anything that you're thinking out there is kind of worrying you at all about the Khan family running this thing? I wouldn't say worry as much as prior to the event. All of the interviews he did seemed very guarded you know he came off as guarded and i think he you know he he was afraid to say a whole lot of anything and i was really encouraged just the 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 post-show scrum that he did with the wrestling media who were in vegas he was at ease you know he was answering questions that instead of kind of dodging questions for the first time and I, i he was just i mean so enthusiastic coming off that show um you know i mean i i like what i hear when he says he has no intention of appearing on television. And I'm someone who would have been fine with him and his father appearing at either one of the rallies, especially the one in Jacksonville. Like, this is their promotion. Fans kind of want to get to know who they are. Would have been a spot for them to do it. They didn't. Didn't appear in Vegas. Didn't appear at the, at the, at the actual Double or Nothing event. And so hopefully he's sincere with that. Um, I, you know, I, I, the, I think the thing that's so encouraging about him, well, a couple of things, obviously the money, the financial end hmm. of things, there's, there's deep pockets there. But also – very bright guy, wrestling historian, you know, just really grew up uh, just immersed in the business. This is a passion for him. This isn't Dixie Carter stepping in and deciding late in life that she wants to be a wrestling promoter with very little background. And so, I mean, those are the things that encourage me. I I haven't seen, have you seen some red flags that really stand out in a negative way? The only thing I saw that was was crazy was that he was talking almost legitimately and then almost storyline-wise. He kind of wove them together at first when he said, wins and losses matter, the guys are going to get paid depending on wins and losses. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, well, aren't you writing the thing? So, you know, if Cody Rhodes keeps losing, you can't pay him that money. Like, it just was weird that he was almost saying storyline-wise stuff mixed in with real life. Like, oh, they're going to get paid on wins and losses. Well, well, if you're writing the thing, so you're going to basically pay the guy to lose? Like it, it, I don't know. The way he worded it was very strange, and it was almost as if he had no experience with wrestling. You know, I, I think what he's going for there is a throwback to the era that, you know, I don't know how old of a guy you are when you started, but, you know, I started watching in 1980, and for, you know, for several years there still, we got the kayfabe era. And, and I'm guessing... As, as strange as it sounds, coming from a group that you know has being the elite and and some of the the, the silly fun stuff they do, I, I when he talks about wins and losses matter, when you read the press release and there's things in there about this being an authentic experience, I think they're kind of trying to take it back a little bit, not beat you over the head with this is this is all you know this is all sports entertainment, this is all the work, just kind of give the fans that experience that if you want to. Suspend your disbelief. Get caught up in this world of all elite wrestling for two hours whenever it debuts on TNT. You can do that, and you don't have to worry about you know them saying contradictory things. Now we'll see if that's 
widespread because again you do have being the the elite but i think it's it really goes against what wwe does when the show's over you have talent all over twitter just you know talking about things out of character and things like that and i wonder if that's what he's going for and if so i don't mind that and it's good i think it's going to surprise some people who grew up in the more modern times where we have had all the wwe talent taking the approach they do i think it's just a different approach and i think if that's what they have in mind and people give it a chance and they're consistent with it i think people are going to be surprised how much they enjoy that now i started watching in the mid 80s so you know i'm kind of i would say old school yeah. to the bone but i do like how they kind of throw in some new fla- new flavor and i love that they interviewed the guys after the fact like you said like almost like a real sporting event where it's doing that little media scrum and and like hey cody you know what do you think you're mad and he's talking about it and he's saying different things and i do like that element do you think that's a kind of a cool different element that WWE hasn't been able to really capture or do well well in fairness uh, you know paul levesque does that for the takeover specials but yeah main roster they're so tightly guarded. You know, I mean, you'll never see, well, I guess you never say never in this business, but I, I don't think we're going to see in our lifetime Vince McMahon sitting down for a conference call with the pro wrestling media. It's different with the XFL, but I, I don't know that you'll see him meeting with uh, reporters after the show like Paul Levesque or the AEW crew did. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it, it's similar to Dana White. Um, doing that with UFC. And Dana's kind of become a bit of a parody at times of himself. When mm-hmm. There was a time when he was very forthcoming and, and would uh, be very blunt and direct. And, and I, I love that Dana White. That attracted me to UFC. Like, this guy's passionate about it, and he's speaking honestly. And now, he, you know, I mean, again, he's just he'll, he's not afraid to lie right to the media's face if he wants to protect the announcement of a big fight or something like that. But I, I think it is good for business that you hear from the people behind the product and and people can be excited about what they're hearing and they can see his genuine enthusiasm for this. I thought he came off that that uh, Tony Khan came off so well in just that 10 15 minutes that he talked with the media. That that was like the first exposure to okay, this is a real person, not just a guy who's afraid to answer anything. Do you think that the fact that Cody and Kenny Omega and the Bucks are EVPs, they're the executive vice president. Do you think that's a negative or can that be spun as a positive cuz Technically speaking, they really don't have any uh, experience as far as being vice president in that role. Obviously, Cody Rhodes seems like he has the most experience, and he seems so mature for his age and just seems right on point with a lot of things. But do you think that's a negative or a deterrent at all, that they're EVPs? You know, only time will tell on that. It's it's certainly interesting. Um, it hasn't always worked out when wrestlers have gained booking power, things of that nature over the years. But it doesn't mean it can't work. I, I do wonder if this was the the only way to get these guys to commit, you know, rather than, I, and who knows? I mean, you, th- you throw enough money their way, maybe they would have signed on. But I do think it's a very interesting approach. I, I, I like this as opposed to we're going to bring in the usual suspects. You know, we're going to just keep bring, keep going back to the same people and hoping this time they'll get it right. Um, so, I mean, these guys are very creative. They're very smart across the board, the people they have in there. And so yeah, I'm, I'm op, you know, optimistic, but guardedly so, just because of wrestler history with this. But I, you know, I think these guys are bright enough that they realize, like, you know, all eyes are on them. I will say one thing: I'd switch. You know, if you want the authentic experience and all of that, on the roster page, don't list these guys as, as executive vice presidents. I think that's <laughs> a little unnecessary. But we'll see where they're going. I mean, maybe there's a storyline reason for it. We just don't know yet. 
It is interesting, like that part of it. That was like kind of a red flag. Like, eh, I don't know if we've seen that before where certain guys get too much power and they get creative control, and then things started spinning out of control. But right now it seems that it's all working on all cylinders and, and it's working good and everyone seems happy. What do you think about bringing in John Moxley, obviously Dean Ambrose, ex-WB guy, was a main eventer, but to me, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy on this, but I never saw him as a main eventer. I know they pushed him as a top guy. He was a shield top guy. But do you see him in that role that they're putting him in? And he's immediately beating up Jericho, immediately beating up Omega. They're pushing him as a main eventer. Obviously, he had that great podcast with Jericho where he spills the beans at WWE. But do you see him as that top guy? Or is this somehow maybe a little bit of a misstep? You bring in a guy from WWE and automatically in the main event. I think it's a really good move. I, I think that Dean Ambrose in WWE felt like that guy that – you know, it, it, obviously there's the shield, but if you take him separately, okay, you can give him an occasional run on, as on, on you know on top on the B show, SmackDown, uh, for you know as long as it's the B show until they move to Fox. But in AEW, I, I think he brings them a dose of star power, another recognizable name. You know, when they're going to advertisers and they're trying to sell their product, it, it can be tough. Okay, maybe somebody knows Cody. Do they know the Bucks? Do they know Kenny Omega? You know, where, hey, we have Jim Ross, we have Chris Jericho, maybe you remember Dean Ambrose, and, and you can throw people like that at them. Now, as far as like just being a main event talent, I, I really think he can be. I, I still have fond memories of, you know, in, in small doses of the John Moxley character prior to his WWE run. And even in just seeing a few promos from him and a few matches, I'm like, this guy's got something. And as you heard in that interview, we didn't get to see John Moxley in WWE. We saw Dean Ambrose, Vince McMahon's vision for this character. And, you know, hey, it, it was successful. But I, I think some of the roadblocks in terms of this being, your, your perception of him not being a main eventer, I think some of that stems from the way Vince kind of treated him, like to make him the wacky zany guy, where I don't think you're going to get that in AEW. I, I think you'll see a real character shift. And that was a great promo that he cut because in WB, I really didn't see too many great promos for him. And I was like, wow, you know, that's great. That really stands out. But when he said paradigm shift and, and that, you know, things are changing, I felt like he's already different, already cool. The vignettes are cool. So it's one of those things where I'll wait and see if, if he is what he, you know, what a lot of people think he is or maybe bring back that Moxie character. You just hope that when you bring over X WB guys, you don't have that that stink, if you will. You know what I mean? That that kind of stench, like, oh man, they were booked terribly. I wonder if there's a reason behind it. Yeah, I, I don't think so with him. I, I know what you're saying. I mean, we saw it countless times in Impact Wrestling, TNA, D'Lo Brown cutting the promo about how he was misused, and the, you know, just a long list of people. And we also saw some. You know, I'm not lumping D'Lo into this category because I think he actually did give the effort. But I also think there were some people that came over from WWE and looked at this as vacation when they go to Impact Wrestling. I, just the passion that Moxley spoke with during that Jericho podcast, he's not one of those guys. He's, gonna, he's definitely going to give his all. You know, he's not just there for the money. Clearly, he could have signed, signed off with WWE and probably made more money. We don't know what he's making here, but at least uh, made a really good living in WWE. And he wants to do something different. And so, yeah, I, I think he's a really good addition to this roster. I think that he's hungry to do something else. And I think more than anything, the freedom to create his own character, to, to create his own promos, I think that's what's appealing to him. And I think that's going to scare away some talent from AEW because 
it's been a long time since you know things like that have happened in the industry. But I think it's really going to appeal to some folks that uh, you know, that that just have that passion to create. Uh, he's one of them, and I think you'll see some others develop in in time. That you know maybe right now they can't leave WWE or wherever they are, but when the time comes, they're going to be excited to get that opportunity to do something other than read a script. That is such an interesting point because. You're right. A lot of those guys are used to, you know, the quote-unquote teleprompter mentality where, you know, you're reading off a script and you got to deliver it this way and don't miss these lines. And the old school way of it, like, oh, here's some bullet points, you know, do what your character would do, say how your character would say it. I think it's a positive, but you make a good point. If the guys aren't used to it and that's not how they brought up, it could be maybe a a reason not to go there because maybe they're not as comfortable with their characters, right? I mean, that's a great point. Yeah, it, I'm sure it'll be intimidating for some. Some will welcome the challenge. I, you know, the one question I have, Cody has said, absolutely no writers. You know, they, they don't want any writers in AEW. But if you do have an amazing talent that just checks off so many boxes, but he's, he or she is not a good talker, but they can be if they're handed a script, okay, they got to work with that. Or, you know, they don't want writers, but are they willing to sit down and, put pen to paper for these, these talents, so to speak, and or are they just going to go, well, you've got to sink or swim delivering your own type of promos. Here's your bullet points. That's it. And if you don't get it, I mean, so many questions about this company, and that's a, just a small one. But, yeah, I'm curious to see how they handle that. As far as WB going right now, I mean, they're making a ton of money right now. Obviously, the ratings keep going lower and lower every week. It's like the new low. It's like insane how – low is getting but they're still able to make so much money and the profit is crazy and that bottom line is crazy right now because of Saudi Arabia and because of Fox and all these different deals they're making what do you think about this kind of I just think it's like almost crazy to think like these Wrestlemania type matches but they're in Saudi Arabia you can get them on the network like I know Goldberg's old and obviously Undertaker's old but these huge huge names are getting these huge matches Shawn Michaels makes a return in Australia. You know, like, I mean, Triple H is wrestling uh, Orton. Like, they just throw out these big matches, but not in the U.S. Like, what are your kind of thoughts on that? Because does that kind of strange to you? It's like, wow, Saudi Arabia is getting Goldberg, Undertaker. How come WrestleMania didn't get that? You know, part of me is like, they can have it. Um, I, I just, I, I don't need to see Taker anymore, with all due mm. respect to the man. Um, and, and he's not the only one. It's just... This is extended careers because you know, I mean, good for those guys for getting big money. If you're will, you know, if you can sleep with yourself, given the politics involved with this, if, if you can live with yourself, I should say, um, you know, there's obviously very lucrative paydays for these returning legends. And I, you know, I, I really don't like. I was surprised we didn't get Taker WrestleMania. I always thought we should have Undertaker's last ride. When it looked like he was going to leave, you know, he left the gear in the ring and it looked like that might be it. I I was kind of disappointed, like, why didn't you guys do the last ride bit? Well, I I don't think we'll get, I mean, we may, but right now, I mean, you know, he didn't appear at Mania, and he's doing these Saudi shows, and I think that's what's keeping him around. I I really think a guy like Taker, and I don't know this, it's just speculation, but I I think he would have been wrapped up by now. But when you start throwing these huge paydays, well, you know, the incentive's there. I have to work once, twice a year for how much money? Okay, I, I can make that happen. And so it's, it's, it's extending some careers, I think, longer than 
deep down fans want to see the careers extended in many cases. Some fans will be different. You know, they'll, they'd like to see Taker work when he's 80 years old if they could. But I, I think, you know, I, I'm just I'm not disappointed that we don't get them here. And these Saudi shows, in some ways, I mean, it it just feels like you know old timers' day. Not a you know, there's obviously current talent on the show, but I'm not sitting here counting down the minutes. I've been able to until the Undertaker and Goldberg match. It's like let's get this over with. It's weird. I mean, I love seeing some of the older guys, but it's it's like the spots you use them in and, and how to sprinkle them in. Like, for instance, Dustin Rhodes is 50 years old, but used perfectly at Double or Nothing. I mean, that match yep. is awesome against Cody. Even Jericho is 50 years old. You get, get him in there against Omega, who's arguably the best wrestler, so it's like a perfect sprinkle. I mean, sometimes when you're putting these older guys in together, eh, it's, I mean, it's almost lucky it's in Saudi Arabia because the crowd's not going to shit on it, you know, something like that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, they are playing to a very safe crowd. They, you know, they're going to be treated like gods over there. But yeah, it. I mean, every wrestler is different, and so, fifty-year-old Dustin Rhodes might be able to go out there and do what he did. Another fifty-year-old with, you know, more mileage or less desire, or whatever, may not be able to. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like you can't use older talents. But it is frustrating to me to see Shawn Michaels return to the ring for the first time in all those years. And, you know, I, I really thought he was going to be the guy that just said, nope, I'm sticking by the retirement step. He comes back. He does it in Saudi Arabia. They barely do. I mean, it, it just it was a non-factor. It was all about DX returning. It wasn't about the legendary Shawn Michaels. That felt like a wasted opportunity. But it, it seems like they're more concerned with pleasing the royal family or whoever's paying them all this money than they are their own fans and, and the idea of labeling this upcoming super showdown event as being as big if not bigger than wrestlemania is ludicrous yeah you have taker and goldberg on the show but dolph ziggler and baron f and corbin are getting title matches that's bigger than <laughs> wrestlemania come on <laughs> uh so true that's Part of the reason why I, I'm not anti WB, I mean, I still watch, but it's just not as good as it once was. And it's just funny looking back. I, and I always say, I'm like, all right, Macho Man. And then you're like, okay, believable, awesome star. You know, he's got uh, in the Bret Hart scale, okay, he's charismatic, you know, 10 out of 10, uh, promo, 10 out of 10, wrestling ability, 10, you know, certain guy, star power, stuff like that. Then I'm like, huh, Dolph Ziggler, Baron Corbin, Kofi Kingston. Hmm. Something isn't adding up as far as like star power or believability. You think that's really just killing the WB right now? Not pushing the right guys, not having the star power, these guys lacking charisma. There's something, I don't know, there's an element missing that you just, you know, just don't have right now. I think the real problem with WWE, and this is not because of the John Moxley interview, it's something I think many of us have been talking about for a long time, is Vince McMahon, 73 years old, out of touch, not doing a good job creatively, had for years has dedicated his attention to the top talent, your Roman Reigns, your Brock Lesnar, and that goes back to the Attitude Era, you know, when, when, and probably even you know, beyond that, but certainly when Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara were there, they both told the stories that, you know, he could, what, what are we doing with Austin? What are we doing with Rock? And everything else was just kind of trivial to him. Not everything, but you know, in large part. And he, that's carried over for years now. And so when you do lose, you know, Roman Reigns goes down for a while with the leukemia battle, and you start to lose some of the, the, the big names, Undertaker and Triple H now works a part-time schedule. When you start to, and John Cena leaves the company essentially, I mean, he's a very much, very much a part-time player at this point, and it's time for that new wave of talent to come in, well, they weren't ready for it. You know, this, every time there's like a wave of injuries, 
of, of two top talents. Let's say two, three guys get hurt. It's always, you know, they'll point to that as the excuse, and it's like, well, if you would do a better job with your mid card, yeah, you're going to take, naturally, you're going you're to take some lumps when you a top guy goes down with an injury, but if your mid card is strong, people might be excited about seeing Finn Balor move into a, a higher spot on the card, or just, you know, fill in the wrestler, and, and he doesn't. You know, it's just, you have the top guys doing what they do, and then everyone from the mid card down to the bottom just seems like they're trading wins and losses, and, and, and it doesn't matter. How many times have we seen the Intercontinental Champion or the U.S. Champion lose a non-title match? I mean, they, they don't even protect those titles. The tag titles mean nothing at this point. This is all Vince is doing. It is kind of scary that like you think about it. You're right. Titles just mean absolutely nothing anymore, and it's really sad, and you're right. Oh, you know, this guy's the U.S. champ. Well, he's going to lose this, you know, this week. Oh, he might gain his win back next week, but he's going to lose the week after, and it just goes back and forth, back and forth. And the mid-card is weak, and there's just there's no bones about it. I mean, when Reigns went down, it felt like they had nobody on top. And obviously, Lesnar's a part-time schedule. Cena's basically gone. I mean, it's just they just don't know what they're doing, and you could blame it on Vince. Do you think that it's time for Triple H and Stephanie to take over? Or how, how do you think of Shane McMahon maybe? Like, what do you think about uh, maybe a power struggle within and maybe Vince kind of uh, taking a back seat? I would love to see Vince go off and do XFL things and, you know, be, go be a football guy. And, and I, I, that's coming from someone who has no faith in the XFL. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I, I don't see this working. But I, I, I just think it's time. You know, is he, I mean, hey, he can still do some good things. It's not all horrible. Um, for instance, I give him a ton of credit for what he did with Kofi Kingston. Because you know that was something that when uh, when the, when the slot opened, I'm like, oh gosh, you're going with Kofi again. I was hoping it would be Big E to do something different. Never in a million years thinking like they're really going to get behind Kofi Kingston and do something big with him. It just kind of felt like that's the norm. Kofi's going to enter this, and you know he'll 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 give him a good match, and but he's not going to win. Well, then he won, and they did a great job with that. You know that's one of the the, the real you know. It, home runs, if you will, of Vince's recent booking. So he still has moments, but it's the day-to-day. It's the uh, I-don't-remember-they-don't-remember mentality that he has. You know, he's competing with all, you know, pick your great drama on HBO or Netflix. You know, he's competing with those shows, and and they're writing. You know, Nick Jackson, probably both Jacksons, certainly one of them has talked about just that, you know, that they're, uh, they're watching these other genres, the, these you know, movies and television series, and, and they're complex. And I don't expect WWE creative to be uh, at the same level as Game of Thrones at its peak or anything like that, realistically. But I don't want these massive storyline holes. I, I want things to make sense. I want to be rewarded for being a longtime viewer, not treated like, oh, what you saw two weeks ago doesn't matter. We're doing something completely different now. Um, you know, another small thing that I've, I might, it might be a big thing. It doesn't get a lot of play. It's something I've talked about a little bit. I do wonder with the ratings decline coming out of Mania. Yeah, there's the WrestleMania hangover season, but I do wonder if all the feel-good endings at WrestleMania played some part in this, where you got the happy ending at WrestleMania to the Becky Lynch story, the Kofi Kingston story, and the Seth Rollins story. It's like, okay, end of the story. You know, now what? There's, you know, they, they didn't have strong heels waiting, and so it kind of feels like you got paid off. And it made for a really fun, entertaining WrestleMania, and I, and I think that's what we were all kind of looking for. But the fallback, you know, coming out of the show, it's like, 
all right, you, you got the feel-good ending here. What are you going to do now? What, what's the hook? And I, I'm st- I think they're still struggling with that. And you think back to Attitude Era, and obviously you said Russo and Ferrara right at this point, and you think back about kind of what they were doing, and it was always Austin would you know, he'd get the big win, but then they'd follow it up the next night with something with Vince or Dude Love, or you know they'd follow it up really strong, and, and you'd be hooked again. This time, it almost felt like they reset and then didn't even bother to reset anything. It was weird. It was like, okay, you're getting Rollins versus Kofi, title for title. Like, oh, wow, we're getting this already? And combined titles. And then the bar comes out, who were jobbers for weeks. It's like yeah. there's no consistency whatsoever with their writing. No, no, and hasn't been for a long time. You know, this isn't something new. This has been an issue. And, and a lot of it, I think, was – when it came to fan reaction, I think so many people were focused on, I hate Roman Reigns, and I love Daniel Bryan. You know, it, it, and there was a little bit of overlap there. But I think you know, that kind of masked some of the big-picture issues because people just you know, got so caught up in, they need, to do, they need to go all the way with Daniel Bryan, and they eventually did. And then with the Roman Reigns again, you know, just uh, why are they pushing this guy? And that is, it, it certainly was an issue. But I think those were the things that people were spending their time talking about rather than, you know, talking about, wow, the overall product is in a bad place right now. Um, you know, there, there's all sorts of storyline inconsistencies. So I, I think this has been a, a long-term issue for WWE, and he's just paying the price for it now. It, it's taken some time. I mean, the, in a weird way, the timing couldn't be better for him because he got the, uh, the television deals. Um, like if the, if the TV deals were up this year, ooh. I don't. I don't know what kind of numbers they'd be getting. I don't know that Fox would be interested in this product right now. Um, if you know, if, if like right now they were negotiating, do you think Fox would be willing to fork over that kind of money given the ratings decline that this company has had? No way. Yeah. I can't see that. It's crazy. If Fox, I, I, even now, you think about it, is there some sort of a escape clause in the contract? <laughs> they got to be thinking like, oh my God, how do we get out of this thing? Like thinking ship one one point nine, like what? I thought we were signing up for three million viewers here. Yeah, I mean it's the 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 harp I mean, you know, Moxley mentioned it in his interview, Vince has said it himself. He intends to die in the chair. So even though they have Paul Levesque, in my opinion, more than ready, based on watching the NXT product. He's not a business guy. You know, but you have George Berrios, Michelle Wilson, and others for that end of things, and, and Vince for that matter. But when it comes to creative alone, you know, Stephanie hasn't been involved creatively in years. Shane, I think, is, has some ideas he throws around once in a while, but he's never been considered by people who know him to be a great creative mind. So it's Paul Levesque, and we've seen it. You know, we see it on the weekly NXT television show. We see it on the TakeOver specials. And, yeah, you know, he'll be the first to say there's a big difference between doing one hour of weekly television and doing five hours of Raw and SmackDown each week. So it's not like it would just automatically everything would be perfect, but I think it would be better because I think he cares about the little things. He pays attention to small details. He's, I, I think, booking a product that people want to see. I don't think it's a niche thing. I think there's people in WWE who have convinced themselves that, well, yeah, NXT is having the success because they're playing to a niche audience. And it's like, well, why don't you try seeing if that formula works for the rest of the world? And I think they'd be pleasantly surprised. It is interesting with Triple H because if you're a fan of my age especially, nothing, to be honest, nothing but negative as far as Triple H burying guys, 
uh, right. political guy. Um, you know, a lot of the new fans, they don't remember this Triple H or never knew this Triple H. You know, I'm thinking of negative, negative, negative. But for whatever reason, behind the scenes, it seems to be a 180, and it seems to be he's pretty good with the talent, uh, pretty good talent evaluator. He's pretty good running NXT. It seems like it's weird. It's almost like his re- wrestler, politicker, is a lot different than him behind the scenes. Am I crazy on that, or, or you know, am, am I kind of off base thinking that? Because I know guys of my age and our era, we literally uh, not hate Triple H, but we know Triple H. And it's like, man, the fans they have a lot different view of him than we do. I, I think he's matured. You know, I, I think that's part of it. Um, I think some of it is just being a part-time guy. You know, maybe if he were still caught up in that full-time world and not, you know, in the McMahon family permanently because through marriage. You know, maybe some of that would still exist, but I think he's done a very good job of rebuilding and re- you know, just repairing his image. I, I think the, the the conference calls that he does with the wrestling media play some part in that, or at least I think that may have been part of the goal when he started, because that's where so much of the criticism, you know, those the, the people by and large are taking part in, in those conference calls. Remember, you know, all the, the negatives about Triple H, but more than anything, I mean, he stepped up and delivered. You know, so even if he was still petty and vindictive and what have you, if he was delivering a good product, well, people are going to put up with petty and vindictive as long as he's booking a good product. But I, I think he has really done a great job with, with, the, with NXT. I, I wish a little more credit was given to some of the people around him that I think are contributing more than WWE lets on. But, I mean, that's just always been their way. You know, they don't like to even acknowledge who their creative members are. It's uh, they, you know, they want the McMahon family to get the credit. And, and with him, hope, you know, that might be something that changes too. Who knows? You know, if, if, if and when he ends up taking over the, the company on, on, from a creative standpoint – maybe he starts to give a little more credit to some of the people that are working hard behind the scenes and, and is willing to – he's comfortable enough with himself to go, I'm going to get my attention, it's fine, but it's time to, to shine a light on some of these other folks. And it's funny, when Russo and Ferrara were writing, everyone knew who they were and what they were writing, and it almost seemed like that almost worked against them in, in a certain way because now Vince doesn't want you to know the head right. writer. You know, it, it, it's almost like, okay, these guys – they got too much credit, too much success. Do you give those guys that credit and that success, or are you thinking that that old adage of "Oh no, Vince McMahon was the great filter," or whatever you know, whatever that that generic kind of statement is about Vince? Uh, some of both. You know, I mean, clearly those guys did some really good things. I think you can look at one of the strengths of Russo and Ferrara was the fact that if something I touched on earlier. Everyone had a role. Everyone had a character. Everyone mattered on that television show, by and large. There may be a couple of exceptions here and there. They were given, I think, a lot more leeway to go out, go out and take care of mid-card talent, undercard talent, than I think the writers get today. And some of it's the system. You know, before it was those two working with Vince, and you know, there might be some other people involved in the process, but not a lot. Where today, I mean, it's just chaos. You have all these writers, and I think some of them, are very smart and could do a great job, but it's the process. You know, you have these weird, you have these meetings during the week. You may have a script banged out by Friday, and then you get to TV on Monday, and you know the Mad King decides to rip up the script and start from scratch. And so you may have there may be a writer there that has a great three-month storyline arc planned for. You know, pick your wrestlers. Well, by the time it goes through the creative system with other writers picking it apart, producers picking it apart, Vince picking it apart. 
it's never going to be what it was. They're, they're going to tweak it every single week. There's no commitment to long-term storytelling. What are your thoughts? Because I listen to Russo occasionally, and obviously uh, he does love you for whatever reason. I just find it funny. He hates Meltzer and Keller, obviously hates Ryan Sadden and Alvarez and, who, and Mike Johnson, whoever else. But for some reason, he likes you. What is your relationship with him? Because it seems like of all the, you know, quote, unquote, the dirt sheet guys or, you know, whatever you want to say, he seems like he really likes you. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, at first when he started that show, he didn't like me at all. Um, I was in that group. I, I, I'll, I'll never forget one of the things that he he was all over me for. And at first I was listening going, all right, am I going to need to call a lawyer? <laughs> Let's see what he – I want to make sure he's not saying anything disparaging. And, and he wasn't. I mean, it was kind of Howard Stern shtick and uh, pulling out just snippets of things and, and sound bites and reacting to those. And, I mean, you can you can pull up probably five sound bites from – uh, you and I just go talking today and, and make make people look bad that way if you want to. Right. But, yeah, the, the one of them was coming out of that Undertaker match where he left all the gear in the ring. I noticed that WWE wasn't labeling it a retirement. They were careful with their wording. And, and I said at the time, I don't think we've seen the last of this guy in the ring. I don't think it's a done deal. And Vince blasted me for it, saying that he left his gear in the ring. He clearly retired. Like, well, here we are all this time later. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite sure. I, I, because he's moved everything behind the paywall, I, I, I haven't kept up on it, so I don't know what it is. He's reached out a couple of times, probably a handful of times, about having me on the show. And at this point, you know, it, it, they came up with the idea of starting like a GoFundMe or something, or Kicks, I don't know what it was, to get me to do the show. And my thing is, all right, I'm either going to do it or I'm not going to do it. We'll see. It, I'm not, you know, it's not about the money, but if there's actual people who want to throw some money around to get me to do the show. Well, let's do it for a good cause. Let's do it for well, you know, one of my local no-kill animal shelters. If we can raise some money and, and do something like that, I'll be happy to appear on the show. Does sound like a hell of an idea. And uh, I love that he does like full play clips of you sometimes. And there was some hilarious clip from you a couple weeks ago where you said you you know certain people you're going to kick in the balls and you're saying. <laughs> Trump, but don't label me, and like, you know, you know this guy, too. It, I, it was just so funny, and they were cracking up. I was cracking up. I was like, wow, because you're always in your style. It's like you're informative. You have all this stuff, but you do have a funny, sarcastic sense of humor about you, so I, I guess that's the kind of thing that he appreciates, why those other guys are very serious about the wrestling, and he doesn't want them to be so serious about wrestling. Well, and, and to defend the other guys, <laughs> so, what I do on the member side, I think most of it probably comes from the Q&A audio show. And it's a, you know, we do it most Mondays. And I get pro wrestling questions to start. I'll answer those seriously. Non-wrestling is where we have some fun. And I just kind of let the guard down. And so, you know, hey, if, if, if I'm one of my peers, I might listen to that and go, this is unprofessional nonsense. But it works for me, and I have fun with it. So if he appreciates that, that's awesome. What are your thoughts on that nickname that he gave you, though? What do you think when he says marbles or marble maps? Do you get pissed? No, or is it just all in good fun? Yeah, I, I honestly don't. It, it, to me, like, all right, you seem to be able to make out what I'm saying. He seems to be able to make out what I'm saying. It can't be that bad. I'm a little <laughs> sensitive to it only because I have pretty significant hearing loss, and I'm like, oh, maybe, God, I didn't think I was a marble mouth. Maybe I am. But, no, I mean, it's, I mean, it, it's Howard Stern type of silliness and having fun. It, it's fine by me. 
definitely he and he definitely plays. He's a huge Stern fan. He just definitely plays off of that big time. Yeah. As far as that now, obviously you have a lot of history with Wade Keller and Keller and Russo. Years ago, I remember Wade used to have him on his shows and do interviews. So something happened in between where they had a falling out. But what's your relationship like with Wade Keller these days? I know sometimes you're on his show and he's on yours, but what's it like with Wade? Because you did get your start with him, correct? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, friend, mentor. I wouldn't be doing what what I'm doing now if it wasn't for Wade Keller. Um, So we go way back to we were both teenagers and big wrestling fans, and he had just started The Torch. And so I got to know Wade back in those days, and we just maintained a friendship over the years, watched a lot of wrestling together, hung out and did a lot of non-wrestling stuff together. And eventually he had a need at the torch for somebody, and it was just growing, and he kind of needed somebody to come in and be a jack-of-all-trades, like, all right, run this to the printer, you know, help out around, you know, whatever needed to be done. And that quickly evolved into, I think it was, hey, with a little bit of work, I, I you know, this guy might be able to write. And basically, I mean, I was a crap-ass student in school anyway. I, I think some of my teachers would about die if they found out that I was a writer. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I worked really hard and learned a lot from Wade and, and his mom. His mom works in the office um, and, and the sub-department side, but she's awesome when it comes to um, – she's she would proof the, the newsletter and everything, and I just learned so much from the two of them. Um, these days, for the record – he, I only appear on his show. I appear every three weeks. I've never had Wade Keller on one of my audio shows. And, and I, I say that, but it's, I, I, there may have been like a simulcast kind of a thing once. I think we had Sean Waltman uh, in town, at, and, and I think we did something with the three of us together. So that's as close as it's come. But as far as like him appearing on one of my shows, hasn't happened yet. And it's not meant to be a, a dick move by any means. It's just I know what his schedule's like, and I know what mine is like. It's hard enough to get together with him every three weeks uh, to do his podcast. One of these days it'll happen. I'll definitely have him on the pro wrestling boom. But, yeah, great guy. Um, still get along great. If, if there's a show in town, typically we're going together. Now, obviously you're up there in the, the Minnesota area, the old AWA. Is that AWA kind of what you grew up on? Is that what you were basically a big fan of? Yeah, that's where, where it started, um, roughly, again, 1980. And that's what we had here. And I fell in love with the AWA and the promos and um, just the, the, the Saturday or Sunday morning shows, just depending on the era. And then I want to say, I don't know, a couple of years later, we got world-class championship wrestling. And it was on a UHF station, syndicated, and fell in love with that. And I still remember being in sixth grade and being on the school bus and talking to my buddy Clint. And we had figured out, like, this AWA stuff isn't legit. But that world-class stuff is. Somehow we convinced ourselves that world-class was uh, uh, was all a shoot, even without knowing what the word was. Um, but then, you know, the drew from there, WWF started, popped up. And then there was like this boom. Mick Karch uh, had this, uh, he's a, um, he was a, he did some brief work for the AWA, uh, but he's a, a, a longtime announcer, play-by-play voice. And in fact, Paul Heyman considered using him before he ended up hiring a, uh, Joey Styles to be the voice of ECW. But Mick had a Saturday night at ringside show where they would have all these different promotions, everything from the NWA to Windy City Pro Wrestling, uh, Bob Geigel stuff out of Kansas, just a little bit of everything. And I'm, I'm leaving a bunch out. And they're probably, you know, anywhere from three to probably five hours, I'm guessing, of wrestling content that was on every Saturday night. And so, like, between that and all the other stuff that was airing, it was almost like it is today, and I just couldn't get enough of it. I, I loved it all. And that's, I just kind of roll my eyes. It, like, there's this resurgence now with AEW that 
AEW fans want to see them put WWE out of business, and WWE fans think AEW is a joke, and WWE is always going to be king. Like, just shut up and enjoy everything. It's not a team sport. Why are you picking sides? Exactly. If if you want to watch that, like back in the day, I wanted to watch WCW, WWF, ECW. Obviously, they're all hitting their high points. If one of them wasn't on, and they kind of go off the air, or you know, WWF buys it, or ECW closes down, kind of hurts everyone even as a fan it's like okay now it's one less thing to watch okay they're going to gobble up these guys so there's going to be less guys you, you know it's just less for us as a fan to enjoy so you want mlw to succeed you want nwa to start popping up all over the place ring of honor new japan if you're a real true wrestling fan exactly yeah i mean it, and everyone can watch however they want if you're somebody who wants to do the team thing it's your prerogative i just don't get it I, i've never like even living in the awa in the heart of the AWA territory in the Twin Cities, yeah, I like the AWA, but when the WWF came to town, the AWA kind of tried to steer fans into treating them like, you know, we're the real wrestling and all this. I just didn't care, and I don't think most people did. It's just, okay, great, but they have Hulk Hogan now, or, you know, fill in the name that they ended up luring over. And even if they hadn't, it's like, oh, there's all these other people that I've never been able to see before. I So I just never, never developed that hometown team mentality toward wrestling. I, I just, I, I don't really, I mean, at other times when you enjoy one promotion more than the other, well, of course, but it doesn't mean you have this, like, dying devotion to them like you may a football team or something. And nowadays, it's so much easier to watch all this different thing. So if you're a wrestling fan, you're really kind of spoiled because you could do streaming service, you could do this, that. I mean, there's a million different ways. WWE yeah. Network, MLW's on TV. I mean, there's all these different things where you can easily get all the stuff. So it's right, right? Don't you think nowadays it's even more spoiled because there's no tape trading. There's no waiting for something to come in the mail. There's no, oh, you got to send me this. Or you're you know, going to your friend's house and trading stuff. It's it's a lot easier nowadays. It, it, yeah, I mean, like back in, in those days where Mick had his um, Saturday Night Ringside, it was, all right, you know, you also wanted to have a life, and so there's times where you're not going to be home Saturday, so you had to pop <laughs> in the, the, the VCR cassette to record the shows if you wanted to watch them on Sunday or something like that. We're now, yeah, streaming has made everything so easy. It's also, it, man, for someone kind of, you know, trying to keep up on everything, it's fun, but my God, as my workload, I probably tripled when it comes to just the amount of television that I've watched now compared to certainly the Torch days. And I, you know, and even like the early days of .NET, this is, I think, year, I think, 11 of .NET. And, I mean, yeah, there was you know, other stuff that you could watch um, other than Raw, SmackDown, Impact, once that got rolling and everything. But, you know, it's just now it's MLW. New Japan is easier to watch than ever. It's just, you know, the list goes on. There's, I, I could spend, I, I'll bet I, I haven't, even, somebody asked me to add it up a while back. And I think there's been additions since then, and obviously AEW is going to add up to it. But I know I'm watching over 10 hours of, of television alone easily per week. And, I mean, it's it, it's overload at some point. It is crazy how much wrestling is easily accessible and is out there. And obviously ProWrestling.net is the home base. How did you actually get that started? You left the torch and basically started .NET? Is that kind of how it rolled in? No, I left the torch and wrote for Fanball.com, and there is a fan. There's a version of Fanball back now with the owners that I work for, 
And so if you're a fantasy sports player, go to fanball.com. Uh, cheap plug for those guys. I don't have anything to do with it anymore. But I was I, I was uh, I wrote for them for just shy of five years. I was uh, ended up in the position of senior editor there, um, one of two senior editors, and um, sounds really impressive. We still had a bunch of people above us, but it was it was still a, a nice sounding title. But yeah, I did that for five years, you know, just shy of five, and then the guys who owned the company again. They sold the company, and there was a group out of St. Louis that was buying it. The original plan was to – I don't even think – I don't remember who or where they were from, but they, for some reason they bought two fantasy companies, and they were going to keep everything in Minneapolis. Then they decided to push everything to St. Louis. And so the opportunity was there to stick around and do it. I just had zero faith in new management whatsoever and was like, eh, no thanks. And so um, it just like, all right, what am I going to do? Well, go back to wrestling because it wasn't like I stopped watching wrestling by any means and so yeah that's kind of where the idea of, of prowrestling.net was launched I reached out to Wade Keller and uh, discussed it with him so it wasn't like you know he was blindsided and in fact there's a, a business partnership there he helped me get the thing launched with a countdown clock on uh, on the torch even uh, just to uh, alert people to it and here we are today it's it's been a really fun ride very good site. Obviously, the the Boom podcast as well is available on there. you got so much going on. Like you said, 10 hours of wrestling watch. But how many hours a week do you actually spend writing and operating the website? Because I remember we talked to Dave Meltzer, and he's like, oh, it's easily 100 hours a week. And I'm thinking to myself, like, that's insanity. For I mean, I love pro wrestling, but 100 hours a week, oh, my God. How, how many hours a week do you estimate actually you know, working on the wrestling business? Because it seems like – almost like a 24-7 job. It, you know, I do my damnedest to enjoy some weekend time. And with Dave, he's, I don't know how he does it. I mean, he's covering not just everything I do, but he's also following promotions in Mexico, some of the other stuff in Japan. I mean, I'm trying to keep up on New Japan as best I can, and, and that's a challenge. But he's also covering the entire MMA world. I have no idea how the man does it. I seriously don't. Mm-hmm. I have so much respect to him for that. But on my end, I mean, Monday is without fail a 15-hour day just to start the week. Um, Tuesday, usually probably 12, 13 hours. I would get, I mean, for a, you know, there's some of the big weeks like WrestleMania, I just stopped counting. I mean, we're, you're talking like nights of three hours of sleep and getting up and just working another 20 hours. It's, it's just crazy. But um, I would say, you know, average week, 60 is probably the minimum. Um, and, and you know a lot of a lot of, so much of that too is just well, keeping up on all these television shows. It's uh, but it, I mean it's fun. It, it, there's believe me, there's weeks where like any job you're just like, oh god, I'd love a vacation. But you know it is what it is. I, I guess it's better to have too much than not enough. Is it still fun for you, the wrestling business? Is it as good as it once was as far as covering it? And basically, is it more of I guess I just say, is it more just fun or is it just a job to do you at this point? Oh, it's very fun. Yeah, I would if this was just entirely a job. I mean, there's yeah, like any job, there's going to be weeks where it's a job. You know, you, maybe your friends are going to a concert or something that you'd love to go to, and it's like, man, it's great. It's it, I don't know why the hell they have concerts on Monday night, but I have Raw. You know, I mean, stuff like hmm. that. Um, there's always going to be moments, but no, I love what I do. I, I've been very blessed to. Um, for 20-plus years now to be doing things that I love, whether it was covering wrestling at the Torch or covering fantasy football at Fanball or now back to wrestling. Uh, very blessed, very fortunate. And so I, you know, when I have those moments of, oh, God, well, you know, another 60-hour week ahead, I just got to remind myself, like, yeah, but it sure beats 
doing what I was doing before all of this, and and you know just the 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 regular nine to five stuff, and nothing against it, you know, but it just wasn't for me. Now, as we start to wind it down, head towards the finish line, just very curious with you because obviously you've been watching wrestling for a long time, covering wrestling. You know a lot of wrestlers. You talk to them all the time. Do you have any favorites? I mean, not even just as like a fan perspective, but just as far as dealing with them and maybe um, getting to interview them or getting to talk to them or you know, maybe you know learn a little bit more about them away from wrestling. Do you have some favorite wrestlers uh, throughout your time? Um, I mean, as far as like friendships that have developed, it's it's tricky because there's some that you know I just can't say because they they obviously don't want their names out there. Right. Yep. But, absolutely. Yeah, but a, a guy that I've known for a lot of years that. I, I mean, he's gone public with it, so I, I don't have any problem saying it. It's just incredible. It's just a sweetheart of a guy. I know he's had all sorts of issues over the years, and it, it's been really difficult to see him, uh, some of those down points in his life. But when he is sober, which fortunately, as far as I know, he is today, uh, there, there's just not a nicer guy in the industry. And so um, getting to know him has been wonderful. But, yeah, I mean, there's a, a number of people that – um, the, the first go round, some friendship. I mean, the Justin friendship was established when I was in my torch days. I, it was weird when I left the torch, um, and you'll hear this from you know people that are actually working in the industry. It, it's you, you talk to people on a daily basis. They're seeing people on a daily basis, and then you stop seeing them. They're busy. You don't hear from them. And on my end, it was all right. I'm busy. They're busy. I didn't take it personally, but it was like it just phone call stopped. You know, it's like you thought you had some friendships there, and, and you probably did, but it's just like, all right, you know, I, I, we, neither one of us has time, and there's, you know, no purpose being served since I can't report any of this anyway. But Justin's one of those guys that even during that time, you know, we keep in touch and, and just uh, check to see how everybody's doing and things like that. Uh, so, But, yeah, I mean, wonderful person, and I just hope he keeps it together because uh, he has a great family, and he really does have a good heart. Truth be told, uh, I've been friends with PJ for about 17 years. We used to live in uh, towns in New Jersey, towns not that far from each other years ago. And uh, we always joke around and say, not that I'm in the business, but I said, oh, you broke me into the business. You know, I'd done a couple, uh, you know, obviously this podcast for almost five years, and we do conventions, and we do different things, and sometimes yeah. occasionally I'll, I'll manage, or uh, sometimes I'll be in somebody's corner for an independent show, and he broke me in, and he's one of the nicest sweetest guys ever and i always say he's like oh pj you know because of you like you know now i'm really into, into wrestling even further and the podcast and this and that and he always says you know lol he's like sorry about that bro you know uh he's like, it's my fault you shouldn't get involved in this crap and like he is like the nicest guy in the world that's you know and it hopefully stay sober yeah exactly yeah i mean it's it's a, it's a daily battle for him i know that but um i, I was so happy the last time that uh, he asked me to be on his show, and I'm like, because I'd had him on mine, and it was just a nightmare. Um, he he desperately wanted to promote the documentary that he was doing, and mm-hmm. he was in no condition to do so. And and I tried to tell him that, even after, um, I don't think he'll mind me saying, we had to do two versions of that, because the first one was so god-awful. And I'm like, I'm not running this. And he wanted me to run it. And I'm just like, he's like, why wouldn't you? And I'm like, because you have you have children that you know don't, aren't going to want to hear you in this condition someday, and he finally agreed, and we we did the interview a second time, and it was really rough, and I was so hesitant to put it out there, but he just insisted, and I did, 
And then I you know, didn't hear from him for a while because when he goes through that, it's just like I'm here if he wants me to be. But, uh, you know, I, I just kind of stay uh, stay away and, and hope that he works through it. If there's something I can do to help, obviously I would. But then he reached out about having me on his show. And it was just like I could tell within 10 seconds, like, hey, I have my friend back. This is, the, this is the right PJ. This is the good PJ. And then I had him on my show again recently, same thing. And so hopefully he's in a, in a great place. Yes, yes. Hopefully uh, all is right with him uh, for sure. Now, as far as yourself and covering the wrestling business and, and writing and obviously podcasting and doing different things, what has been kind of your favorite storyline or maybe favorite series of matches, something like that? What's your favorite thing that you've been able to cover in wrestling? I'm so bad with that. Um, it, it all, like storylines and everything, it all starts to kind of run together. But, I mean, you know, I, I guess going back, the rise of Steve Austin was awesome. Um, the NWO, just being there for the first Nitro, just seeing the show that, you know, it, it's it's so similar to today where, all right, you know, probably, hopefully they can do a decent number. They're not going to compete with WWE out of the gate. But hopefully they can do a decent number. And then they pop a really good number right out of the gate, like, ooh, this is on. This is exciting. That was really fun. Um, it's not – it's going to sound morbid, but even covering the downfall. You know, just being – because there were so many people reporting that Eric Bischoff's group, that I think it was Fusion Media Ventures, had purchased the company. And I was at the torch at the time, and Wade and I both had independent sources going, this is not a done deal. And we turned out to be actually right on that, even though there was a lot of skepticism of what we were reporting at the time. And just, you know, part of – like, it was terrible to see people lose their jobs and all of that, but still just covering it, the experience of, of that was, uh, was was something special. I mean, just to uh, hear all these different versions of what was happening, and, and it was an exciting time as much as it was – Again, a, a terrible thing for people losing employment. The Monday Night Wars, I mean, obviously one of the greatest times in the history of the business. I don't think we're ever going to get there again. Is it possible with AEW? I know it's not going to be quote unquote Monday Night Wars. It might be Tuesday Night Wars, or it might be some sort of big competition between them. But is it possible to get back to those days, or are those days impossible to get back to? You're never going to have that many people watching. I mean, we're talking about what, 20 million people a night watching wrestling or whatever the heck crazy number was? Do you think it ever will get back to that with AEW versus WWE? You know, and with television the way it is, I don't think we're going to see those types of numbers again, uh, with cord cutting and everything else. It, it's, But, I mean, who knows what's next? I mean, who would have predicted streaming, you know, back in the Monday Night Wars? Um, I mean, I'm sure really intelligent people were, but people like me are like would have been like, huh? Um, so you never know what's going to change things, but I, yeah, I, I, I think it can be very, it's, I, you're not going to see the numbers like that again. I think it would be foolish to go head to head again. I think some of the numbers, this is, this is a total conspiracy theory, but I'm not alone in thinking this. I think some of the numbers were inflated. I really do. When you look at the numbers that, that raw nitro were doing, and then when, WWE bought WCW and Nitro went away. Where did all those viewers go? Yes, some of them may have been loyal WCW fans, but all of them. I I think there was, you know, Nielsen's not this perfect system, and I think there were a lot of people flipping back and forth that were being counted. I I really do. So, you know, and and not, you know, it was a great time. It was a huge boom. I think you can get back to a big boom period. I think AEW coming into the picture is exciting. And, you know, again, I don't want to see them – 
let's go head-to-head on, on Monday nights with Raw. I, I don't think they want to. I don't think there's any need to keep them apart. But I, I am looking forward to seeing the little things. Like, you know, we kind of heard uh, Paul Levesque take those shots at them at, at the Hall of Fame. And then we heard, and then, you know, the Cody fires back with the throne thing that they did. This is just starting. You know, what's what's going to happen once AEW is up and running on TNT? And I'm not even saying it's a, it's a bright idea for either company necessarily to be doing this, but little things like that can, can it, are going to kind of encourage the rivalry, and, and that's going to excite people. Uh, some fans, some fans will see it as petty and silly. Others will see it as like, this is great. But to me, it's like, what's WWE going to do to start messing with these guys? Because that's their history. You know, I, I was when when they had to move Takeover. Part of me was going, are they going to put this on the Saturday Memorial Day weekend? Oh, sorry, we just happened, you know, happened to be an open date, guys. That kind of thing. <laughs> yep. With yep. WWE Network now, they can do things like that. It's going to be very interesting to see just the back and forth that goes on between these companies. It was almost interesting a couple of years ago. Remember they had the Starcade and, and it was a part of that Wrestlecade weekend that they always have in North Carolina with uh, Tracy Myers and the guys down there in the Winston-Salem area. It's interesting. It's like, okay, if they could just pop up and have Starcade out of nowhere, yep. you almost think like, okay, they can just have uh, Great American Bash, Memorial Day weekend. I mean, they could just kind of throw anything out there and just try to cut the legs out of AEW. Well, I did, you know, I, I took notice when – they moved SummerSlam back a week. It's a week earlier than it normally is, which is great for this fantasy football player. I can finally do a little more research <laughs> than I've been able to in recent years. But, um, no, so they moved that, and I'm like, is there a chance they're doing this because they plan to run Labor Day weekend? Um, and, you know, I, I don't think they are. But that kind of thing eventually, I think, will start to happen. Um, you know, Vince is pretty big on not running holiday weekends. So that may be some of it, because I know Jericho had that line in one of the interviews where he had talked with Vince about this, and he, Vince said he would have told him, don't run, you know, don't, I, I wish they would have called me. I would have told him not to run Labor Day weekend. It's a bad weekend. And it's worked <laughs> out for them I, as somebody who could, you, I, man, that's, that's, as much as I'm enjoying those shows, I, I loved the holiday weekends. It was the one chance where you could catch your breath a little bit, like, there's no wrestling. This is great. And now it's like there's no such thing as a holiday weekend anymore without wrestling. I mean, whether it's Labor Day, Memorial Day, and then even like Fourth of July weekend, we have Impact and we have New Japan. It's like it just never ends. It is crazy, all this wrestling content. And obviously, ProWrestling.net is uh, killing it, so to speak. It's it's one of the best websites out there as far as you want to get informative, Good wrestling information, not uh, rumors and innuendo, not really, you know, BS stories. You know, you're going to get legit. So, please, where do you think ProWrestling.net will be, let's just say, five years from now? Like, where, what do you think you're going to be, and, and where do you think ProWrestling.net is going to be? Well, if they keep adding content, um, I'll be six feet under. But <laughs> assuming I survive this, you know, I, I just say, you know, who knows? Because – we started with the app, and my God, did that do huge numbers. But unfortunately, the app industry just became a mess. You know, it, it's great if you're ESPN. Um, you know, that the way it was explained to me, like as far as the the way it's structured, like if you're the big guy, apps are great. If you're the little guy, okay, you can do it. If you're kind of somewhere in between, like I was, uh, it's with the server costs and the advertising rates. It just became, uh, unfortunately, not worth it. I'd love to, to 
see that change somehow and get back in that. But, I mean, who knows what technology, what technology changes there'll be um, because no one was talking about apps when I started doing this and when you started doing this. You know, there's all sorts of different things. So it's just kind of, I guess, adapting with whatever comes next and you know, just keep plucking away in the meantime. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, hopefully we're still – hopefully I'm, I'm above ground and, and uh, still going strong. And as far as plugs and ProWrestling.net, obviously it's pretty simple, ProWrestling.net. But can you just give us a good plug uh, for the site and obviously for the uh, the podcast boom, too? Sure, yeah. As far as .net is concerned, um, I try to keep the site updated with all the news of the day. So if you're looking for a news fix, that's great. We also have live coverage of SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and then all the major pay-per-view events. We have reviews. Um, a lot of times, uh, next morning, kind of reviews for some of the smaller shows. And then uh, members get to hear our audio reviews of each show as well. And so it's uh, not just a... And, with, and I should point out with our reviews, it's not just hey, here's what happened on the show. We're giving instant analysis too. So if you're looking for, you watch a match and you're like, hmm, wonder what somebody thought. Well, you don't have to, you don't have to wait for audio or you don't have to wait for the, the hit list the next morning, something like that. We have it right there. Our instant feedback and what we're seeing, and so again, it's more than just a who beat who. And, and we're, sometimes I, I read those, I'm like, Why, if you're watching the show, what good is this? Uh, so hmm. I, I've always tried to kind of give that instant analysis as well. And then I did mention the hit lists. My, my, that goes back to my torch days. Uh, so if you've read their hits and misses, my hit lists, it all started back in my torch days. I, I did the, the original hit list where I just uh, the next the day after a lot of these shows, uh, Raw Smackdown for sure, I, I, you just uh, break it down, what worked, what didn't work in, in the hits and misses style. Uh, but uh, great staff with uh, some good opinion pieces as well. Uh, so, again, ProWrestling.net is a place to go. And then the boom, uh, just go to Apple Podcasts, search for Pro Wrestling Boom. I had lots of interviews on the show. It, it's an interview-centric show. Once in a while there's going to be some – I'll have uh, one of my staffers or someone else in the pro wrestling media on to discuss uh, whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. But oftentimes uh, interviews. I mentioned PJ's been on the show. Uh, this uh, most recent guest is Alex Hammerstone of, of MLW, which excited me. Court uh, Bauer reached out throughout a few names, and I'm like, I know nothing about this Hammerstone guy. And sometimes that can be intimidating. It's like, what are you going to talk? What if he doesn't have anything to say? But I, I, I kind of enjoy just getting to know just somebody. Like, you see him on TV, you know nothing about the real person. And so that was a fun conversation. But I've had Dave Lagana, Court Bauer, just a long list of people. Jim Ross has been on the show. Uh, so, again, just check it out. Do a search for Pro Wrestling Boom wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome, awesome stuff, and I implore you to check out ProWrestling.net if you want the best wrestling information out there, and obviously check out the podcast as well. And just one final thing for me, Jason, yeah, have you updated the list of who you want to kick in the balls? Has it been updated at all? <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's kind of an ongoing list, and, and sometimes it's kick them in the ball, sometimes it's punch them in the dick. It just depends on the day <laughs> and my mood. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's an ever-expanding list. I mean, the my pillow guy right now is at the top and has been for some time. <laughs> like, you're selling pillows. We don't need to see your stupid porn stash face. Get off my TV. Quit putting yourself front and center. Jared was the guy for years, and, and longtime readers know this. Jared from Subway. I was saying and I, it was like an ongoing thing in my reviews. This guy's a creeper. I had no idea that it was going to turn out the way it did, but, but he was on that list for a long time. Aaron Rodgers of the Packers, because I'm a Viking fan, um, even though I did have to agree with some of his comments about Game of Thrones, it pained me to agree with Aaron Rodgers. He's always on the list. Uh, that Bears quarterback, he's just nothing against all millennials, but he's one of those weird ones that just has no emotion whatsoever. He's just 
weird. There's something about this guy. Some of it is he plays for the Bears, and some of it is he's just like devoid of emotion. He's creepy and weird. He's on that list. I just a long list of people. I'm sure we could spend all day talking about who's on my list, including half the people who pop up on TMZ. I, I don't know who most of these people are. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't care about Black China and Rob Kardashian. Why are they shoving them down my throats on a daily basis? <laughs> I guess they're the. Uh... I, what do you call them? It, uh, I forget what the you know the, the quote unquote hip uh, words are to say, but they're the it crowd or whatever you want to say. They, I guess that's who the people today and the, the young millennials. I guess they like following these people that don't really have a career, so to speak. That's but they're that. more. What are they like, famous for? I mean, I know Rob yeah, exactly. with the family. I get that. And really, quite frankly, he's not really. I, I don't see him on there every day. But she's back. Like, for a while there was, like, the, the two of them constantly. I'm like, I don't care about these people. Who does? But now she's back in a big way all over their site. I'm like, why do people care about this woman? I just don't understand. And I will ask, like, you know, niece or nephew, something like that, people who actually, I would say, are hip. I, I've given up on even trying to be at 46 years <laughs> of age. But I will ask, you know, people from that demographic, like, who are these people? They have no idea. They don't know why they're famous. They don't care about them. But there they are on TMZ. I'd like to punch them all in the dick. Even if they don't have one, I'd still like to punch them in the dick. <laughs> love it. Love it. Great stuff. Uh, really, really appreciate all the time you gave today. And obviously, again, please, everyone, check out ProWrestling.net. Jason, it's been a blast, and I uh, hope to have you on again not so long in the distant future. I would love to. I've had a blast, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.